Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chat Noir, Mystery and Suspense. I'm your host, Linda Kosar, and that was our appropriately creepy mystery suspense music. (laughs) Um, Today I'm going to be interviewing author Shatana Havig, and I can't wait to get started with her, but I'm going to read you part of her bio. Um, She, let's see, she starts off saying, uh, hi, I'm Shatana Havig. For those who care, that's, and she tells you how to pronounce it, just like I pronounced it, um, hopefully. (laughs) Um, And she doesn't have a pseudonym, uh, but when you grow up with a name like Shatana, which I'm going to ask her about, it kind of sticks. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us Mm -hmm. consider how to stimulate one another in love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's from Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, and that's like her theme scripture. Um, and those aren't just words on a page for her. She says that's why she writes. So welcome to the show, Shatana. I'm so glad to have you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You need to tell us... Um, your name origin, like what, where did you get that wonderful <laughs> name, great writer name, by the way? Well, it's really interesting because when I was a child, um, it you know, I, I was born in 1970, so, you know, the, the 70s were my, my young childhood, and everywhere I went, um, the very first question people would ask are, was, are you Indian? And, um, <laughs> you know, that was, you know, people didn't say Native American then, they said Indian, you know, and and I'd be like, yeah. no. And so then they'd be like, oh, French? Because, you know, this is back when people still knew what Chautauqua was. And a lot of people would, would mistakenly call me Chautauqua. And it was like, <laughs> no. Um, and so then, of course, they'd want to know about my name. And my, I was born in Oklahoma to an Oki father. And I was named after apartments in Bakersfield, California, which is the <sighs> Oki capital of the world outside of Oklahoma. <laughs> Oh, my, my name gosh. is Oki. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I never would have guessed. I would think oh, nobody it's would. Exotic, you know, yeah. All, all my siblings and I, we have just these bizarre names and with spellings <laughs> that are phonetically impossible. You know. <laughs> now wait, did I pronounce it right? Because I see it's Shatona. Yes, it is Shatona. Yeah. Shatona have it. Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's remember that, folks. And please go to her website, Shatona.com, you know. Uh, My mom always wanted me to be like Cher. And I'm like, Mom, really? You don't even like Cher. What's your problem? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but just the name, you know, like, all right, whatever, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to start. Like, we're going to talk about your mysteries. Obviously, it's mystery. You write mystery and suspense, but you write a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, I saw that, you know, Zillion books, you know, like um, my friend um, 
Janice Tana Thompson. Um, she writes books like Babies Have Rabbits, and I think you're on the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know like that. Rabbits Have Babies. Sorry, I just flipped that one, didn't I? Uh, but um, but you write self help, romance, mystery, and suspense. What don't I write, you write? I write almost everything. Um, I I don't do horror. I don't do erotica. Um, that's actually really funny to even think about. But um, yeah. for the most part, if uh, if the story calls for it, that's the genre I use. I usually come up with a story, and that story idea picks the genre instead of the other way around. Um, you know, on the other hand, you know, things – I'm just weird, okay? There's just really no way to get around it. We are convinced that having is no region for weird. What can I say? What about speculative fiction? <laughs> Would you ever write spec fic? Um, I actually have. Uh, it's not it's not printed yet, uh, but I have a. It's a futuristic um, in the in the world that most of my books take place in. I have I have something that goes you know a couple hundred years into the future, and it's kind of a speculative of what all that we're doing now, all the choices we're making now, how it would make things look then. Um, in both an optimized and a deoptimized world. So yeah, I've already done that. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to resist not doing that because it's just it's kind of fun inventing yeah. your own world, right? Know? Yes. So um, was there a touchstone in your life besides your writer name that launched you into this um, curious profession? You know, actually, there was. When I was twelve, my mother. My mom had this habit. She, she was amazing. She, she would just walk into my room with a book, and she'd just toss it on my bed and walk out. And <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to read the book. You know, I mean, I was an avid reader anyway, so it wasn't like she couldn't have just said, here, read this. You'll like it. No, she would do this thing whenever she really, really, really wanted me to read something and love it as much as she did. She'd just walk in and toss it on my bed in front of me and walk out. And so she did. She, she walked in and she tossed a tree growth in Brooklyn on my bed, oh, yeah. and then she just walked right back out. And I remember <laughs> just being, um, you know, like I was 12. It was Ventura. I can, I, when I think about it, I can still smell the salt air, you know. It's really kind of funny mm-hmm. to think about it. But when I was reading that book, there's, there's a scene. I don't know if you've ever read it, but there's a scene where Francine, Long the main ago. girl, um, she, she and her father have actually lied about where she lives. So she can go to this specific school, um, and then in, in class one day, this teacher's going to throw away this tiny little pie, and the way it's described, I always pictured it as like one of the little banquet pot pie size things, because <laughs> it's supposed to be super tiny, and um and so, but this teacher, she's going to throw it away. And this room is full of these starving children in Brooklyn at the turn of the 20th century. And, um, you know, so I, I really, I remember, I remember watching, you know, in my mind, all these children just like salivating over this pie, right? And this teacher's going to throw it away. I couldn't imagine why. Why, you know, it just didn't fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. The cool thing about it was is that this little girl, Francie, she just she she said that she wanted it for someone else. And um <laughs> of course, total lie, she eats it on the way home. 
And on Monday, when she comes back to the school, the the teacher asks her, you know, well, how did, you know, the other person like this pie? And she's so funny, you know, she's like, you know, came up with this grandiose story about how they were twins and they were starving and the the doctor um, um, said it saved their lives. I mean, it was just crazy. It was just totally crazy. And and the teacher's like, she was the teacher was so brilliant. She didn't call her out. She just said, "Well, that's an awfully small little pie to save two lives." And of course, oh. Francie is panicked, confesses all. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, if they send a note home, they're going to find out that she doesn't belong there, and then they're going to get in trouble, and she get doesn't get to go to school, right? So, right. There's this whole thing, but then the teacher said this thing. It was so amazing. I'm gonna I'm just gonna read it because I I don't want to get it wrong. It said. Francie, a lot of people would think these stories you're making up all the time were terrible lies because they are not as people see the truth. In the future, when something comes up, you tell exactly how it happened, but write down for yourself the way you think it should have happened. Tell the truth and write the story. And that just solved all of my little 12-year-old problems because I hated the truth as a child. It was never what I thought it should be. And I hated lies even more because, of course, you know, lies. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so it just solved everything. I could write how I wanted things to really be. And so, yeah, I started. And I wrote the first biggest self-righteous piece of drivel ever penned literally that day. And <laughs> <laughs> well, it was my next, that horrible. leads into my next question. What was the first thing you wrote? <laughs> oh, it, it was the most self-righteous, um, pietistic, just, oh, my goodness, Pharisees got nothing on Shatona Havoc, let me tell you. I wasn't a Havoc yet, but same smell. I mean, it was just, it was bad, horrible, horrible, horrible. And when I looked over it, it was so bad that even at 12, in the middle of all my self-righteousness, I could tell that it was self-righteous drivel. <laughs> Do you still have it? Did you keep it? No, I burned it. I literally went out to the, to the my mom's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I have to burn this. This cannot be found. <laughs> this cannot be found after I'm gone. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the fatalisticness of a 12-year-old. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so which book was your first? Okay, um, the very first book that I wrote was Ready or Not. Um, it's, it's the first of the Aggie series, and it, it was originally just a book. And it, I, it, I finished up with that book at 60,000 words and set it aside, and I kept writing. And I came back to edit it, and that 60,000-word book became two and a half books of 120,000 words each. <laughs> oh, wow. And it turned, into, it turned into a series because I just kept expanding and enriching because it, it read rather like a laundry list. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it was like, well, you know, Hey, you know, you, you, you're starting, you know, but the first one I published was uh, Noble Pursuits, and it's getting a total redo because, of course, it was my first, and I made every mistake in the planet on it. And It's, it's nice it's to be able story. to do that, though. Go back yes, and Yes, that is and the fix. beauty of yeah. indie publishing is that I can take, yes. I can take that, that really, really, really rough, tiny chip of a diamond that's so surrounded by all that other gunk of my ignorance, and I can – get that gunk off and, and let that little tiny diamond. It's not an amazing story, but I like it, and I don't want to see it, you know, languish. 
I, you know, I always tell people your indie book can be more perfect than traditional books out there because they're not going to go through the trouble of, you know, correcting all these tiny little errors. Like I'll save up 10 punctuation errors (laughs) before I'll go back and fix it, you know, because it's worth it to do it. But you can can make your book perfect over time, you know, by just... You know, every time you go in there and make a correction. Every, every so. time I have a, a big sale or um, if I do a freebie, I go through and I read that entire thing again, try to find anything I possibly can. I'll even reword sentences, you know. It's like, oh, yeah. I just changed this. It's better. I do that every single time because I figure I'm just giving it that much more of a push and a polish. And, you, yeah. know, some, you know, after you've done that a few times, you're hard-pressed to find things, which is great. You know? Yeah, you get better as the years <laughs> go by, and you word sentences better, and you, yeah. you know, but the the story is probably still good in there. You just need to oh, yeah. uh, write it better. But um, so so you are you primarily indie, or do you do traditional too, or are you hybrid? Um, technically, I am hybrid. Um, I have one book with Waterfall Press, and they're a wonderful mm-hmm. group of people. But um, I. My publicist and I decided, they called me and actually asked me if I had anything that I would submit, which was, I didn't realize publishers ever did that. Um, you know, I thought you had to send to an agent, and an agent had to try to beg someone to take it, you know. So right. when they called me, I was a little thrown for a loop, and I had several publishers do that, and my publicist rejected them all. But this one, for some reason, she said, I think you should try it. And so we did, and I'm not sorry that I did, but... Yeah. Um, I want, I'm not giving them the rest of the series, and uh, I I discovered that I'm a bigger control freak than I thought. So, um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's hard, but I'm a hybrid too, so I'm, I get it. Um, so let's see. Let I'm going to move on to. Are you a plotter or a pantser or a combo? Um, I I am a combo. I I do a lot of plotting. See, we live 90 miles from anything. The the nearest mm-hmm. town is 90 miles. We're a Navy base in oh, the middle wow. of the desert at the bottom of a valley in a town called Ridgecrest. <laughs> we are an oxymoron. And so um, <laughs> to go anywhere, it's an hour and a half one way. And, like, uh. my ACFW meetings are three hours away. So I get oh, in the boy. car with my little voice recorder, and I drive and talk to myself. Um, I love the fact that we have cell phones today where people talk on the phone as they're driving all the time because I don't feel like I'm freaking people out. Um, but right. I do. I just I just talk out my ideas, and sometimes there'll be good lines in there. That I'll, and I, I've had to pull over on the side of the road and just laugh until I get done with this idea that I come up with because I'm cracking myself up so much it's not safe to drive. Um, <laughs> but I do this because, you know, hey, it works, right? Um, but, we, you know, once you've, once you've done you know, once I've done that, then I I will transcribe it. If I can't, um, if I don't have time to transcribe it myself, I have a gal that does it for me. But if I can do it myself, it just, like, solidifies my ideas. I create a scene list and I go. And that's about, that's about all yeah. the planning I do usually. Some things require a lot more. Well, how many books do you write in a year? Um, usually about six. And do you, are, are you constantly writing, like, do you have a word count that you do, you know, like, every day faithfully? Um, that, it varies a lot because, of course, as an author, you are, you're a business person as well. 
And so I have to do like things called marketing, the evil M, and all the you know. And so there's a whole lot more to it. But on average, I write a minimum of three thousand words a day, and when I'm in a crunch, that goes up to like twelve thousand words. And I have this like whole process that I go through to get myself there. But um, as a general rule, my minimum is three thousand. My average is more like five. And then if I really have to dig deep, then I go to more, it's more like 12. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way to do it if to be prolific, you know, right. Um, you've got to. Um, so what makes a good mystery to you? I mean, we're going to, we we're going to talk about the Hartfield mystery series and the Medlin Madeline mystery yeah. series. You know, for me um, to read a mystery, I, I want, I usually figure them out right away. I'm I'm one of those obnoxious people. Yes. My brain just thinks yes. that way. My daughter and I do this all the time. Drives her husband mm-hmm. crazy. That we'll sit down, we'll watch a we'll watch a mystery, you know, Midsummer Murders or something, you know. We'll sit down and you know, f- inside five minutes, it's like, oh, it's him, and he's like, no, it's not, it can't be, and we're like, yep, it's him, and <laughs> sure enough, it turns, <laughs> and they, he does not understand how we can do this, and it's just like we get it. What I love because I'm that way. What I love more than anything is when you make me doubt my decision. To me, yes. that's the best part when I'm like, wait a minute, maybe you, you have a really good, oh, no, it's got to be, no, but I don't know. You know, the minute I have that, ooh, maybe moment, oh, you've got me. I love it. And if you can actually, yeah. if you can actually, without doing the cheesy, you know, pull the dead guy off the, you know, coffin and, oh, he's not really dead, you know, unless you pull something like that, which I really despise. Um, yes, I hate that, too. You know, unless you do that, when you can actually trick me and give me a reason to go, oh wow, I hadn't, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Oh my goodness, I just that's like my favorite. I just I love it when someone trips me up. It's just awesome. Some of the British mysteries on um, Netflix on the BBC uh, uh-huh. on Netflix trip me up, and I'm like, whoa, I did not see that coming. Yeah, every once in a while. Yeah, Yeah. every once in a while. Um, I know Endeavor got me on one. Hmm. Um, I really love the Endeavor show. It is. Yeah, you know, it's every now and then, you know, we we miss something. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, Um, they're really good at that misdirection to keep your eyes focused in the wrong area, and that's just I I love it. They slap you in the head with a red herring. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, you know, you know, you just hit someone with a with a cold fish, and man, those red herrings are. <laughs> I, I want to use British foul language just to do something with it, but I won't. <laughs> so, so what makes a good mystery? You know, is there one particular thing? I mean, are are yours more character driven or story? Is this a story mine are, drive? Mine are almost um, almost to a fault character driven. Um, because I mean, like Miss Marple, I love Miss Marple. I love the character of the of the um, that village. I mean, she's just your little village gossip. She really is, and yet she makes those books. Her character does, and yet, and even like the the Aunt Dimity books by Nancy Atherton, um, the, the the ghost makes the books with her silly little comments, and you know. But on the other hand, you know, if you don't have an actual mystery to solve, 
then you've kind of lost something. And so I, I've right. done both. I've done both where they're a little more mystery-driven and the other one is a little more character. But for the most part, um, I'm going to be heavy on the character because I'm I'm interested in people. Um, well, now the but if you don't have an actual mystery, you know. The description of your Madeline, Madeline series is if Jane Marple met the, mental, met the mentalist and trained a perfect young lady to become a detective in 1901 Rockland, they'd find Madeline Brown, the perfect candidate, which I, I just love that. I just yeah, love the, that. The Madeline books are not intended to be your traditional mystery. The Madeline books are, are, are intended to be kind of watching the birth of a detective, a young lady who discovers that she sees things other people don't really notice. Mm-hmm. And what does this mean? And then so on top of, so it's not really about the actual, I don't want to say it's not about the actual mysteries because that's actually not fair, but even more than about the mysteries themselves, it's about her her birth as a detective mm-hmm. and it's about her processing, you know, just how just how far can she go with deception before it becomes wrong and you know and things like that and so it's it's about the whole moral and personal and um internal growth of a detective as well as just you know who is this person and what and what's happened i mean so far we haven't even dealt with a murder yet because i'm i'm building her up so the first one she sees that her friend's um suitor something isn't right with, with something that happens at the very beginning of that book. And then um, she's trying to figure out, is he a worthy guy or not? And then um, in the second book, the same character seems to be having some sort of swindle going on. And is it really a swindle or she, is, does she have a bad attitude toward him? And then in mm. the, the third book, she, there, someone asks her to help him find something hidden in his house by his grandfather. This guy's in a wheelchair. He can't do it. And so they work together going through journals trying to find um, this thing that's hidden in the grandfather's house. And she's learning, you know, how to, how to trust or not trust people. And so it, it's about her birth of a, as a detective more than just the mystery. Well, that is, that's a really interesting angle. I like that. Now, do you want to tell us a little about the Hartfield Mysteries? Okay, the Hartfield Mysteries are like, they're really special to me. I really love the Hartfield Mysteries. Originally, Alexa, I had her named as like Millicent. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like in her 40s, a single author who wrote like Jane Austen type mysteries. Um, that was a, that was the original character. And she just refused to, and she wore, and she wore Jane Austen dresses and in this little (laughs) town in the Midwest. And, um, she just, the problem was is that my character refused to just do that. And so the next thing I knew, she's writing more like almost thriller-type mystery stuff, on, almost on the horror side, and she wears clothing from any era. So you should, one day she might be wow. wearing 1940s, <laughs> and the next day she might be in Regency, and then, hey, let's go medieval, or let's, let's put on, you know, 80s acid wash jeans. I mean, she just, <laughs> if she likes it, she wears it, and she doesn't care when it was or was not in fashion. And so here she's this little eccentric gal who lives in this little vil- this little town in in my fictional metropolis, and she's like the town celebrity, you know. And because I mean, in a little town, it, I mean, even in Ridgecrest, my goodness, they treat you like a celebrity. You'd think that I was, you know, 
Karen Kingsbury or something. The way people <laughs> talk, like, oh, there's our author. You know, it's really funny. Just enjoy it. <laughs> you know, it's now, really now. cute. It's really sweet. They're they're very proud of me, and I I appreciate it. But it was just, you know, the, and so I exaggerate. And actually, I made her only character I've ever done anything like this with. I made her be from Ridgecrest. So one of those books takes place in this town where I live, right oh, here. Fun based on something that actually happened to me at a hotel here. So it was kind of funny, you know. That's but, fun. yeah, she's, she's eclectic, and there's a whole lot, like, this mystery shrouded around her. There's stories about how when she gets done with a book, she writes it, you know, by hand in blood and then burns it to, you know. <laughs> it's really hilarious. <laughs> now, okay, we have, like, six minutes left, and I wanted to also talk about you were, you were on YouTube as well. And um, and I noticed I was watching some of your YouTubes, and you have the cutest backgrounds, which I'm assuming are in your house. And I want to know if you're a Pinterest queen decorator as well as a writer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I live in an 1,100 square foot house. I have nine children now. The oldest three are are moved out, but oh, um, my goodness, there is no Pinterest in my house. <laughs> <laughs> We do have a very cute little kitchen that you'll see in some of them. Um, yeah, and my, I have my little writing nook, which you will see in some of them, which actually has changed now. And your laundry room. I think there was one YouTube that was in your laundry room, which was super cute. Laundry room? I don't have I a laundry room. Like, I wasn't sure, but I could hear like it's a washer. probably my kitchen. Okay. And then a lot of them are at our local prayer house. Um, that's where I write all night, every night. So, um, so of the more recent ones in the last year or two, most of those take um, are recorded in our local prayer house at two in the morning. So, <laughs> so, so your YouTube videos are more like instructional, you know, for the most part, or sometimes you announce contests or things like that. Um, most of my YouTube videos, most of them are just me chatting about my books. So, you know, I'll have, you know, I'll, I'll pick a book, and it's like, okay, why did I write this? What kinds of things are in there? Um, you know, what what was the inspiration behind the character in it, not just the story, or, you know, or whatever. So I a lot of them are things like that. Um, I, I call them book chats. And then I have uh, my, my tales from Booth 14, because Booth 14 at Denny's gets really interesting at about 2 a.m. when the drunks come in. <laughs> the bars close it too, and they come across. Let me tell you, those drunks—they want their pancakes, man. Just give me the pancakes. And it's like a druggie with their fix. They got to have their pancakes. Oh, yeah. It's really funny. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was going to say, just yeah, like grocery stores, that are open like, all no Scrivener, um, things like that. But mostly, it's just chatting. Well, it's, you know, I enjoy this. Um, what's, see, we're almost out of time, but what's next for Shatona? Um, I'm working on finishing up the Christmas books for the year. I have three books coming out that are Christmas-oriented. Um, Two are in collections, and one is my annual Black Friday release. I always release one for Black Friday so that people after crazy Thanksgiving day and then waking up at ODART 30 to go get whatever they got to get, they can come home and kick up and have a new book. So yeah. that's where I am now. And, you know, then I get nano. Yay. I get to write whatever I want on in NaNoWriMo. <laughs> and it makes me so happy. <laughs> 
You know, I forgot to ask, do you do your own formatting or do you hire out like editors and formatters? And book cover I, editors design. definitely. I do my own formatting, but editor, I don't try to edit my own stuff. That that's never a good idea. Do you do book covers? Or I do my else? own book covers for the most part. I have one book coming out that I haven't done because I fell in love with the cover, so I came up with a story idea for it. Kind of like the Madeline's. Madeline's. I was looking for a cover and found that picture, and I was like, I got to write this gal's story. So yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you know, um, what can I say? I do have time for a quick little lightning round, which is kind of fun. Now, have you ever read the Nancy Drew mysteries? Did you grow up reading Oh, yeah. Reading I read this? every last okay. one of them as a child. Okay. Which one did you dislike the most? Was it Beth, Joe, or Nancy Drew? Um, I didn't like Beth. <laughs> I liked George a lot. George was a lot of fun. Um, okay. I, I liked Nancy for the most part. Um, every once in a while I wanted to slap her. But Beth drove me crazy, and it, it was not fair because really Beth was the most reasonable one of them all. <laughs> yeah, but she, they were always stopping to eat, you know, and they, yeah. they were kind of, they were always, the writers were pretty disparaging about Beth. They always said, the plump, <laughs> the plump yeah. girl. Well, and she was reasonable. She was the one who was saying, hey, this is stupid, and, then, and she was right. <laughs> she was right. She was the you know, one who but, was right. But me, you know, I was I was twelve. I was like, I don't care if it's right. Give me the fun, you know. It's a book. Who cares? Yeah. You know. <laughs> Nancy Drew was a robot. She was an absolute robot. And then yeah. and then George was athletic, but she really didn't do as much even as Beth. There was only like one no. one of the books where she did something, you know. Yeah, George. But, George was an interesting character. I liked her as a character. But she didn't, you're right, she didn't do anything. And Nancy just followed the formula. I actually really thought that um, Ned would have had a really great series all by himself. I always wanted him to, <laughs> instead of the Hardy Boys, I wanted the Ned Mysteries. Well, she I just, just friend-zoned so him from the start. She just friend-zoned him. But um, yeah. Beth was my favorite, too. And I've, I've had such a great time chatting with you. And I hope you come back because... You're always writing books, and we always have new books to talk about. So Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I really we'll appreciate it. All righty. Well, you guys, check out Shatona's website, shatona.com, and she's all over social media. So please check her out there, too, um, and uh, and buy her books. You won't be disappointed. Oh, sure. You just heard. They're going to be and It's going to be a thrill ride. Yeah. Madeline is on sale on the yes. first one just for you. Yeah, she put it on sale for you guys, so go check it out on Amazon. Yes. All right. on you is on sale, yeah. All righty. We'll see you next time with another great podcast, Chat Mom.